You're listening to the West Side Podcast, a part of the L.A. International Church of Christ Family of Churches, worshiping God in L.A. since 1989. Good morning, church. Can you guys hear me? Wow. What an encouraging service. Um, before I get into things, I want to make a quick announcement. We have two members of the West Side Church who will be leaving and going back to Indianapolis. Can we have Court and Kathleen Post stand up? This is their last service here. Let's give them a round of applause. There we go, right there. Center back. Court, um, I appreciate the time that we got together. Kathleen, I actually haven't officially met you yet, but let's talk after service, okay? That's great. So, um, good morning. My name is Kenny Izuchuku. I am a student at Pepperdine University, a grad student. Um, that's right, AO Waves. I, I serve in the youth and family ministry, which I love dearly. Yeah, yeah. Last night we had a great regional Christmas party, and I just want to say, Clay Kentworthy, you know how to throw a party, man. Oh, my gosh. Clay's amazing. Clay, if I was leading a church, I'd hire you all day, Okay. You are an amazing man, but we had a great time last night, and um, serving the youth and family is amazing, and I, and I love even having the kids in service today. So I want to thank the Coastal LA leaders and, and staff members for giving me this opportunity to be here. Um, I don't know really why. <laughs> it's definitely a big risk, but I'm really grateful. And uh, I, I really want to thank Ken for kind of sort of asking me, but basically telling me to do this. Uh, I appreciate your encouragement. Uh, it's been great. So for those visiting with us today, thank you, thank you, thank you for being here. Uh, I hope that you've enjoyed service so, so far. We've had great worship, great singing, and even the song, Behold the Lamb. Wasn't that amazing? That was awesome. That was great. I, I was talking to William, who will be doing the contribution later, and I said, that's it, I'm done, let's leave. We can just head out. Service is great already. Uh, so anyway, don't we have an amazing Savior, guys? An amazing, awesome Savior. I'm blown away at how I'm still able to be here alive speaking to you today, given all my mistakes given all my blunders, given all my shortcomings. Um, let's see if this works. Has anyone ever said something that they should not have said? Raise your hand if you said something that you probably shouldn't have said. Okay, where's Ken? Ken, are you raising your hand? Yeah. Um, I am one of the biggest... I've made the biggest mistakes with saying things, maybe just right then, that I probably should not have said. I'll know later, that's right. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to share a few anecdotes, maybe one, actually, I'm, I'm short on time, I'll share one anecdote, but I need two things from you. I need you to promise me that you will not make fun of me after I walk off stage about this. And secondly, okay, all right, some of you can, some of you can't, and, and secondly, I need you to help me share vulnerably about these things. So what I'm going to do 
is I'm going to say what I should have said was, that phrase. And then you are going to say nothing. So I will be pointing to myself and saying what I should have said was, and I'm going to go to the crowd and you're going to say? Nothing. What I should have said was? Nothing. Good. You guys are really smart. So, years ago, I dated someone, years ago, and we were video chatting. That's right, uh uh-oh. And I really loved her hair a lot. It was nice and long, very strong. I loved it. But for some reason, she wanted to cut it, and I didn't understand why. So, we, we dated for a little bit, and then maybe a few months into the relationship, she basically told me that, hey, I think I'm going to cut my hair. What do you think about it? Now, what I should have said was? But what I did say was that I'd probably break up with you. Shouldn't have said that. Definitely shouldn't have said that. Um, I was, of course, joking, but it didn't come off that way. Um, So I have plenty of more stories like that. I wanted to share a few, but I am running short on time. But what happens when we say things that we shouldn't say? Usually, there's some kind of consequence. Social scientists call this behavioral modification, when there's a consequence associated with an action that's supposed to improve or build on or result in something desirable, something different, a different behavior that you want. Parents, you do this all the time with your kids when they're crying in service. Like, stop crying, right? They, They get behaviorally modified and conditioned to not do that. Or teenagers, when you go to school and you have an annoying friend, you tell them to shut up. And they they think, okay, this is annoying, I don't do this. And we do this all the time in life as we figure out how to change. Now, sometimes we're socially conditioned to repress things, to keep things in, not to share things that our God may actually want to hear from us. And as we look into Lamentations today, The author has a lot of negative feelings. He's got a lot of emotion that he communicates. And some of us may feel like we've never been able to do that with God. Or we never thought we knew we could do that with God. But we're going to look through some of these scriptures today and figure out kind of what the feelings were, what these emotions were, and how they related to God, and how to communicate it to him. And this is modern-day Jerusalem. A lot's going on in Jerusalem right now. Uh, I won't get into the politics, but at the time that Lamentations was written, the Babylonians came in, and they basically ransacked Jerusalem. And the Israelites had grown up in that place for their entire life. So when the Babylonians came in to take them out and exile them, They were shocked. They were surprised. Because Jerusalem had become the embodiment of God. It had become the place where God existed and dwelled. And when it was gone, 
they became disillusioned. The author became disillusioned, shocked, surprised. He never thought it was possible that God would allow his city to be taken over. And before we even look at scriptures, we can kind of see some parallels with our lives. Anything that we inordinately put our hope in in this world, people, friends, family, anything, anything will lead us away from God. It is not God in itself. God is much bigger than anything we put our hope in in this world. So the author kind of does what some of us do nowadays. He gets a journal or a diary. Does anyone have a journal or diary? And he begins to write. And he writes a poem. And scholars think it's one of the most communicated and well-written poems of someone's pain and suffering. Articulated so clearly that you're like, Listen, why would someone going through the worst time in his life communicate so clearly. And he starts off here through Lamentations 1, Lamentations 2, and we'll start reading in Lamentations 3. He says, I am the man who has seen affliction by the rod of the Lord's wrath. He has driven me away and made me walk in darkness rather than light. Not so nice, right? Something that perhaps we don't feel like we can say sometimes. An admission to God, about God. Can we, can we say that to him? And basically throughout Lamentations, there's this crescendo effect. Scholar Robert Alter calls it the structure of intensification. So with each line as you read, it builds and builds and builds until it reaches a certain climax. So the intensity grows more and more and more. Verse 7. He has walled me in so I cannot escape. He has weighed me down with chains. What does that look like? I think it looks something like this. The walls are... Don't just stand there. Try and brace it with something. can't get out, I'm weighed down. Even when I call out or cry for help, he shuts out my prayers. So I'm walled in here, I can't get out, and the one person that can help me isn't even listening. Have you ever felt that before? Where you're weighed down by life? Christmas time, it's Christmas time. I hate buying gifts. <laughs> that weighs me down. <laughs> I feel trapped. I don't know what to get you, Mom. I'm sorry. You have everything. I don't know what to do. 
But more importantly, are you ever weighed down by serious things in life? Christmas, it's not about the gifts, obviously. But the things that we go through that we don't want anyone else to think about or know. The things that we write down in our diary or journal that are so clear to us, but would be troublesome to someone else. And you feel like God isn't listening. And the author is expressing that. He's communicating this. Verse 10 to 11. Like a bear lying in wait, like a lion in hiding, he dragged me from the path and mangled me and left me without help. Now, if you don't like bears, I highly suggest you looking away from this next clip. Highly suggest it. person that can help him doesn't listen, and then a bear comes, takes him out. It's building structure of intensification. It's reaching to get to a certain point. And he's lying on the ground, mangled, out. And it gets worse. He has broken my teeth with gravel. He has trampled me in the dust. So not only is he lying on the ground after a bear just takes him out, but he gets trampled on. Very intense feelings to God. Very real and raw feelings about God. And he reaches this point. Where he says, I'm deprived of peace. I've forgotten what happiness is. So I said, my endurance has expired. I have lost all hope of deliverance from the Lord. Have you ever felt or gotten to a point where your feelings are so strong that you can't help but say something? You can't help but communicate something. I ask you, who do you go to in those times? Who do you rely on in those times? A boyfriend, a girlfriend, a spouse, or God? Christmas celebrates Jesus' birth and highlights what he does at the, at the beginning of his amazing life. And a Christian is supposed to follow Jesus' example. 
And Jesus had this amazing way of communicating with God. He had this amazing way of connecting with God. And throughout his life, the world had never seen anything like it before. His disciples would look at him and say, Jesus, teach us how to pray. How do we communicate the way that you are communicating with God? And just like the author in Lamentations, Jesus reaches a point where he's been brutally beaten. He was spit at, knocked down, and put on a cross. And he says something so profound. Something that when I read for the first time, I couldn't believe it. How could someone like Jesus say something so mean, so negative to God? This is what he says. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And he screeches this on the cross. He yells it out loud. And everyone can hear it. And he did this because he wanted to give you and me an opportunity to communicate with our Lord, our God. He did this so that you and I could just get a chance to reach out and perhaps find this God that he loved so much. Jesus was real with God. An amazing admission to what we must do as Christians. When we walk around and we hide the things that you know you should be telling, you know you should be sharing. You're not being like Jesus. Jesus didn't hold back. He was real. What a Savior we have. Amen? What a Savior we have. Amen? So, what does this have to do with Christmas? Some of you might be asking. We just had a great vignette of a nice little baby Jesus boy getting born into the world, some great actors. Well, obviously, Jesus' birth was just the beginning, right? He was brought into this world for a very specific reason. And that was to show everyone how much love the Father has for us. And just like the author in Lamentations, as he's building up, building up, building up all that negativity and he's expressing himself to God he reaches the climax where he remembers how awesome God is and he says this 3 verse 31 and 32 for no one is cast off by the Lord forever though he brings grief he will show compassion so great is his unfailing love So, as we close here, some of you this morning have come into this auditorium 
Maybe you're visiting with us for the first, second, third, fourth time. Maybe you've been around for a very long time. And you've been beaten down by life, by people, by problems, by other Christians, by things of this world which misrepresent who God is. I want you to know that your Father in heaven loves you so much, cares for you so dearly, that he wants you to tell him the ugliest things, the things that you may feel you cannot tell anyone else. And if you could just understand that, you could be completely real with God. And there's no reason why you shouldn't give him a chance. There's no reason why you shouldn't look at Christmas and think of it completely differently. You have a loving God that wants you to be real with him. Let's take that opportunity. So as we take communion here, let's reflect on some of these questions. Have you been real with God lately? Have you ever been completely honest with him? Do you want to become transparent with him? And as the author of Lamentation says here in verse 40, let us examine our ways and test them, and let us return to the Lord. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Dear God, thank you so much for all that you've done for us. I'm so thankful that you could bring your son into this world as an example to us. He was an example in so many ways. But the fact that he could be real with you and with the people in his life, it is such a great opportunity for us to follow in his footsteps. I pray for the bread as we take it that represents his body on the cross. And I pray for the juice, the wine, that represents his blood. I pray that we can take it in remembrance of his sacrifice. Lord, I am so grateful for all that you've done. I love you. And I pray all these things in your son's name. Amen. You've just listened to the West Side Podcast. For more information about our ministry, please visit thewestsidechurch.com or laicc.net.